Hello, I'm Kim Katola, host of Cradle My Heart Radio. Our mission is preventing abortion and helping those it hurts. And our vision is to bring abortion recovery to the church, reaching out to equip and encourage pastors, elders, ministry leaders, and others so they can minister God's love to the millions of Christians personally impacted by this moral crisis of our time. Saving lives and healing hearts, this is Cradle My Heart Radio. Find us online at cradlemyheart.org. Where can you find God's voice in the noise on reproductive choice? For over a million women and men each year, the question goes beyond politics to become much more pressing and personal, both before and after the choice. And we are called to love the little children just as God does. Listen to Cradle My Heart Radio with your host, Kim Katola, speaker, writer, and broadcaster, sharing God's truth to prevent abortion and help those it hurts. Learn more at cradlemyheart.org. So glad that you could be with us today and so glad to be able to welcome an old friend to the program. Georgette Forney is our guest today. She is the president of Anglicans for Life. She also, for the last 10 years or so, has been serving as a vocational deacon, permanent vocational deacon in the Anglican Church uh, serving in the arm with the armed forces and chaplaincy of the Anglican Church of North America, and she's also co-founder of the Silent No More Awareness Campaign, and that's an effort to raise awareness about the physical, spiritual, and emotional harm that abortion does to the women and men um, who who choose it, and who also also to let them know that help is available. Georgette, welcome to Cradle My Heart Radio. Great to be with you and your listeners. You've also written Embrace the Journey, which is an eight-week adult mm. education program DVD series on aging and dying. And, yeah. uh, you know, when we talk about um, abortion awareness, abortion recovery awareness month, I think mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the biggest areas of awareness that I, where I see a gap is people being able to think down the road to project their future I mean, abortion presents itself as the solution, and I can do this and get on as if I never even had this pregnancy, and no one thinks about when they're aging, when they're Mm -hmm. no longer young, so to say. Uh, do Do these topics dovetail in abortion recovery awareness? Well, you know, I, I do think that they do not only dovetail, but I think, you know, the older you get in life, the more you realize that every decision, every choice comes with a consequence that is good or bad, um, that is either positive or negative. And, you know, you, you have that third piece of cake or you have that, you know, extra serving and you start to see your pants get tight. That's a consequence. Um, you know, that's a physical consequence. I think what happens when we make life and death choices that lead to death of another person or, you know, I mean, a loved one in, in with euthanasia and assisted suicide now, where we support that, we, we live with not only the consequences of the, the physical loss, but you, you question, you know, did, should I have done things differently or well, how different would my life be now? And I think that much of what we struggle with as, as human beings is the what ifs and, and should I have done things differently? We look back and we regret. We feel guilt. We feel shame. 
and 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 I I wish that we would talk about this more because it helps us to understand why these kinds of decisions are so critical because mm. they have long-lasting ramifications. Yeah. long-lasting consequences. Sure. And, you know, I mean, I, we don't even have to get into the aging and dying phase of life to have the real-life consequences presented to us. I mean, mm-hmm. I know women in their 20s and 30s who are watching their friends marry and, and have babies and thinking, well, I should be in this group, but I'm not because of my choice. Yeah. Or even, you know, watching grandparents or grandchildren come along and watching your peers becoming grandparents and there's no grandchild yeah. in your circle you know, in your life. And yeah. I, I think that, you know, resolving the grief of that, I know, is a big part of the outreach for Silent No More Awareness. And so... It, it, it really is. And and I remember, I, I one of the places where I saw this really come to life in a, in a very real moment was I walked in, um, my best friend had a, a had, has a daughter that would have been the age of my child. And she was getting married, and I walked into the back of the church, and I happened to catch a glimpse of of her daughter, the bride. And I turned and just burst into tears because I was just caught off guard about the reality that I would never experience that kind of joy with my child because I had allowed myself to abort it. And and that kind of reality of, of of what's lost, you know, those those those. That's what I think is so sad is is all of the opportunity that we we took away from ourselves when we aborted our children. You know, for some pastors and church leaders, this may be a new concept that those who abort grieve. You know, there. Mm. I mean, if we look at the popular culture, women are emboldened. They're shouting. They're uh, they're at the Capitol steps taking abortion pills. As happened at the March for Life last year, or when well, I don't remember when that was happening, mm-hmm. which was so yeah. it was so absurd. It was it was the Dobbs case. It was it was <laughs> it was the most. Uh, you know, they're just. What can we say? Let's don't talk about them <laughs> because well. that's just not how it goes. When a woman has but, a know, medication abortion, you're not doing that out on the street. And if you are, you're going to need a lot of help and support and maybe an ambulance soon. But, but again, it, it really is, a, a, if you think about it, it's a, it's, a, it's a reaction to the fear of somebody saying what you did is wrong yes. or making it illegal. You have to justify your choice. You have to, in order to keep the consequences at bay. What do you do when you've done something you know in your heart of hearts? You try to get other people to do it, too, to affirm your choice as mm. opposed to mm. own it. Um, and so that when I saw that, I saw, I, I, I saw women that were just in so much pain. And, and here they were just trying to encourage other women to join them in their pain. Mm. Georgette Forney is our guest, and she's the one of the co-founders of the Silent No More Awareness Campaign, which has been going strong for how long, Georgette? Has the 20, uh, next year will be 20 years. You know, and it's in my recovery is, it, I guess, 21 years now, 2001, 20, 21 years. And my story was unfolding along about the time that you were realizing, hey, wait a minute, others need the help that I've received, you know, through yeah. my through my faith and through a caring community. I, I want to give you the opportunity to share your story about how you get drawn into this work and why it's so important to you. Well, I, you know, it, it, I, it's it's always fascinating to share because I, I'm always 
humbled again that God would use somebody that was very that is very broken and is a sinner and but also I mean was just really not interested in working in this on this topic I, I mean I had an abortion I had gone through healing I had my abortion when I was 16 and then it was 19 years later that I finally allowed myself to face that I didn't just have an abortion. I could admit that I had an abortion, but I would never allow myself to acknowledge what I aborted, which was a human being, my child. It was in that moment of, of that I was confronted um, by, by that reality, just in, in the, the mercy of God's grace in that I, I had kind of a, 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 a dream in which I came face to face with my aborted child, and and in that moment I recognized that that's who that baby was, that that was the the baby that I was supposed to have that would have been nineteen years old, eighteen years old at the time. And that moment, my denial broke, and I was able to begin weeping, begin grieving, as you say. And but the interesting part was that I remember. I had called a girl that I had talked to like two weeks prior to this come to, and, and we had had a conversation and she had talked about the fact that she was attending an abortion recovery program. And I remember saying to her, Oh, Dana, I had an abortion when I was 16. It was no big deal. Just get over it. And she, she recognized that that was not a healthy remark, but she didn't say anything to me. She didn't challenge my comment or anything. She just, was gracious. So when I had this kind of, you know, um, um, awareness of my child, this um, a moment of, of clarity, the only thing I could think to do was call Dana. So I called her and she came right over and she just sat on the floor with me and kept telling me it was okay to cry. And, and, and her giving me permission to cry was really important because I was the one who made the decision to have the abortion. And I kept saying to her, but I made the decision. I deserve to be punished. And she kept saying, you deserve to be forgiven. If you seek forgiveness, God forgives. And she said, you, you don't have to live your life punishing yourself. And you don't have to, to you know, grieve this alone. We will walk the, through this with you. And she ended up, after going through her own program, she led abortion recovery programs uh, for a number of years. And, you know, when I saw not only her experience and my experience, I began to realize that, that, there, were, that there were a lot of women out there hurting, but nobody was talking about it. So I had been invited to apply for my job, and I, I said to the, the man who had invited me to apply, I can't do that work. I had an abortion. The pro-life community will, you know, crucify me. And he said, I, I think you'll be surprised. And, and so I applied. I got the job. And um, I was surprised at how accepting and kind and non-judgmental the pro-life community was. And as I started telling my story, so many men and women would come up and give me a hug and whisper in my ear, me too. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized we needed an, an, a movement that was focused on the woman and and, and our stories. Um, 
you know, people love to debate abortion because debating it keeps it in the political realm. Nobody wants to talk about the personal, the actual impact on the women. What it, how, how, think about how we try to ignore the dismemberment of the baby, the reality of what happens to that child during the abortion procedure. We, we want to keep these conversations in the safe place. But the reality is, is that women and men and, and families carry the pain of this abortion in their lives, and it impacts their behavior. It impacts additional choices they're making down the road. And, and really, um, it denies them from becoming the people they were created to be, which is why we love these healing programs. And, and there's almost 34 of them now, and, and they're available in America and online. Uh, and I love that Silent No More Awareness Campaign has a unique uh, URL or website for this, abortionforgiveness.com. And yeah. it's by zip code, right? Because if you if you go yeah. there and you put in your zip code, you're going to find not only many different programs uh, close by or online, as close as your own home, you know, or mm-hmm. wherever you've got your device, but also different types of of healing models. You know, there are retreats, there are Bible study groups, there's, you know, referrals for counseling. It really has become, I think, a mature movement, and yet still kind of a well-kept secret. It, it's true, and I, I have to say, and, and this is just something that's happened in the last couple of years, we've been able to organize all the abortion recovery ministries into a coalition, and so it's really neat that, um, in I would say, in the last three years, we meet monthly on a Zoom call. We learn from each other. Uh, we are uh, developing standards of care and practice. Um, so as a movement of, uh, of a ministry that is designed to help people, it's wonderful to see how um, we are uh, developing friendships and mm-hmm. teamwork and, and unity um, even though it is a well-kept secret, our goal is that as we, as, as we get more organized and, and we can come and speak with one voice um, to the public, um, when you have 34 different ministries, these, these ministries are helping thousands of women and men and families every year, because now a lot of them do men's outreach, the Healing for Men, they do um, outreach to grandparents, to the siblings. Um, we have, you know, uh, uh, Teresa Bonaparte with Lumina. She does a special uh, weekend retreat for those whose children were aborted because of fetal anomalies and mm-hmm. or the health of the mother, because those are unique experiences. Um, I think another area that, at this point, the abortion recovery movement is still bringing those who are having chemical abortions at home mm. into into the re, the healing with the other women. But the question we're that we're debating is: Do they need a special program? Because when you think about it, for women who are doing the medical the the home abortions, if you will, the pill the RU four eighty six pills. They're taking them, so they've become the abortionist. They take them at home, so their home becomes the abortion clinic. So uh, my sense is is that these women are being traumatized on a level 
not normally seen well, even in the abortion clinic. I agree, Georgette, and I think this is why I say it's so absurd for someone to stand on a sidewalk and take a pill, because mm-hmm. if you don't know what a medical abortion does, uh, I urge you, if you're curious, to see Abby Johnson's movie Unplanned as she depicts going through the aftermath of taking those pills. It's extremely traumatic. Yeah. It's it's bloody. You have uh, fetal remains to deal with. It's not by any means easier, simpler, less traumatic than having a surgical abortion. And forgive me for sensitive listeners, but I think there's no other way to say it, that this is one of the abortion industry's biggest lies yet. That, well, if it becomes, you know, and this is what kind of what they're, where they're staking their claim, Georgette, they're, they're putting their spike in the ground that says, make it illegal, fine, we'll just get everybody their pills, as if, oh, that's going to be a gentle, easy solution. Um, yeah. So, so for pastors who are listening to this program and thinking about, you know, how to, how to craft an outreach in their church, how to incorporate a, a message in their sermons. Um, you and I both know that abortion changes the heart. It either hardens your heart or it breaks your hearts. You know, and so I mean, there's a very there's a very different message. You've got to you've got to preach conviction to the hard hearted, and you've got to preach repentance and and restoration to the broken hearted. Right? Pastors yeah. walk such a fine line. Um, uh, on this abortion recovery awareness, are there pastoral resources, resources for clergy? Yeah, as a matter of fact, there are. Um, there's a, a couple of good books that have, uh, you know, been written to the, the, the clergy, um, starting years and years and years ago with David Reardon writing, you know, Silent No More, um, which is the name of a, his book title that, you know, helps the church become aware of the the wounded that were living on, in the pews there. Um, but I think that pastorally, clergy are, are caught in, 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 in a couple of issues. One, um, you know, that, they, that, that, that adage that we, we hate the sin but love the sinner, um, it's easier to just focus on the, you know, abortion law as being bad and, and and abortion being a sin. But, you know, I always just tell clergy, you know, because we work with a lot of Anglican clergy and churches, we always talk about the fact that you just, it's real simple if you just preface your sermon by saying, you know, I'm going to discuss a really difficult topic, and, you know, some people in this audience, you know, in the pews are, are, are personally touched by this. You might have lost grandchildren. Be very inclusive. You might have had a girlfriend that had an abortion, and therefore you've lost a child. You might be a woman that felt she had no choice but an abortion. Whoever, wherever you are, you might have had a best friend in college that, you know, was in your dorm with you that had the abortion. Let's talk about the impact of it on the people. Let's set aside the, the legal debate, and let's think about how abortion is now impacting your spiritual walk. I know for me, when I became a Christian, I I was not a Christian when I had my abortion. And so I was 16 years old then. At age 22, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I remember standing in the shower and going through my litany of sins. And when I came to my abortion, I said, oh, but God, I know that's the unforgivable one. And I 
I went past it because I didn't even think God could forgive an abortion. And, and so women need to hear that God will forgive abortion when we repent and that, that we, we can find restoration. We, uh, we can receive that forgiveness and forgive ourselves as well. When we talk about when clergy, when, you know, women and men share our abortion stories and we talk about that side of it, that we don't have to live in that pain and shame and we can grieve and acknowledge that child, then people are, are, are kind of relieved that, that you're actually addressing the issue honestly, as opposed to pontificating, you know, <laughs> off on the, the law side of it. So that's one of the main ways that we, you know, I always say to clergy, just just preface your sermon, you know, and, and be upfront. Another simple tactic that we encourage all of all the people we work with, like our chapters and stuff, is that you put the um, find out, you know, with the local um, pregnancy resource center if they if they've got abortion recovery programs, or if you use our abortionforgiveness.com and put your zip code in and find it. Put a little flyer on the inside of the stall in the women's bathroom so that when a woman is sitting there and she looks at it, she has time to process that that connection, process the feelings, jot down the name or the number, and um, and do it in privacy. And yet you are offering her help without confronting her in it. Hmm. I like that a lot. And I think that, you know, pastors should not be pinpointed as the solution or the problem. Obviously, you know, they have so many needs that they're considering as they craft mm-hmm. their sermons and as they, you know, work on their counseling outreach. This is this is one among many. But I think this is the spiritual impact, as you mentioned, Georgette. I don't think we can overstate it that it, it's, uh, it's almost like a hobbling of our spiritual development until we deal with it, you know? Oh, yeah. Because even, it really is. Because even as you said, it's like it impacts you, the depth of your theology. What you really, really believe about God really comes out. And if it's a mistaken belief, if it needs correction, if you need more discipleship, uh, it's not really going to happen on your own. Well, it, 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 it's like there is a, a massive boundary between for me, I felt like that sin of my abortion was a wall between God and I, and I knew He couldn't come over that wall, and I couldn't climb the wall. So my faith could only grow so far. And I have to tell you, Kim, my life changed dramatically after I went through my abortion recovery program. My husband. It took him a while to get used to the new Georgia, frankly, because he wasn't used to me finally having confidence and, and, and being able to, you know, love myself. And, and so he, he often would remark about this new Georgette is taking some getting used to, but he loved it because he saw that I wasn't living under the burden of my sin anymore. And I understood God's unconditional love for the first time in my life. I was a Christian for probably 10, 12 years, um, you know, going to Bible studies and all of that, growing in my faith, but knowing that I had this this sin that was still 
you know, a wall between me and God. So my life really changed dramatically. My faith deepened. Um, I understood that that there was nothing that could separate me from God's love, and I was able to finally, truly believe that and receive His forgiveness. Oh my goodness! And forgive myself. Yeah, the very, very similar experience, Georgette. Especially that time as a Christian, hiding out from God still, or hiding out from the people in church, hoping they didn't ever know the truth about me. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I can encourage both pastors listening as well as people who have ex- have been wounded by abortion, men and women, is that when you pursue that healing, you will see the shame lift. And it's kind of like when I had surgery for a long-lasting injury. You know, when the pain was gone, I realized the bandwidth that had been taking up. You don't realize it when yeah. you're just living under that pain. And so... When you get used to it, mm -hmm. it becomes normal. Yes, and and it shouldn't be. And so we, again, encourage and really exhort pastors to take that step. People are waiting to hear it from you. There may be some pushback, but those who need it need you to say it. Georgette, thank you so much. We will link to the Silent No More Awareness Campaign as well as Anglicans for Life. Any other resource you would mention in our final 20 seconds here? Just um, silentnomore.com to get to the main site, and you can get testimonies under stories and, and read other women's stories, men's stories, to be encouraged that healing and help is available for everyone. Thank you so much, Georgette Forney, and we will link all of those resources in the podcast notes. And uh, thank you so much for being with us and being a part of this journey. I'm Kim Catola, your host, and you can learn more about our outreach at cradlemyheart.org. This is Cradle My Heart Radio with Kim Katola, preventing abortion and helping those it hurts. Please get in touch with Kim. Find out more at cradlemyheart.org. You can listen to the podcast on all platforms.